So I look in the mirror while doing this. And let me tell you people, I cried. It was so fucking weird and awkward and uncomfortable, but I did it anyway. I just kept saying, I love you just the way you are, Barb. I love you, even though it's painful for you to say, I love you, even though you don't want to do this. I just did it. And I didn't mean it at first. And I didn't believe it at first. And yeah, it was painful. But I just kept doing it. And I'm at the point now where I truly believe it. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, LLC, where I coach people on how to develop healthy boundaries. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life, whether you're in recovery or not. This is episode 136, Learn to Love Yourself. 16 Things I Learned About Self-Love and Recovery, Part 1. If I were to boil all of 12-step recovery down into one thing, I'd say that it has to do with learning to love yourself. When we're addicted, compulsive, numbing out, and dissociating from reality, it's because deep down inside, we don't love ourselves, or we don't know how to love ourselves. The process of recovery is the process of learning how to treat ourselves as if we are beloved, because we are. As someone who grew up in a dysfunctional family, what I was taught to do was abandon myself. And what's really ironic is the thing we fear the most is abandonment, and yet we abandon ourselves. And if you think about it, the opposite of self-abandonment is self-love. That is why self-love is so important. I heard once that we don't have to earn self-love, but we do have to put effort into claiming it. And we have to change our destructive or ineffective behaviors. And that's what recovery taught me that none of the self-help shit or therapy I did for years did. That taught me what my destructive behaviors were. I really had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I had some ideas of some of the basic things like smoking and drinking and stuff. But I really didn't understand all of the stuff I was doing that contributed to the dysfunction of my life. And I had no idea how dysfunctional my life was, or my family of origin was. Now that I've learned to love myself, I can look back and see where I've put in that effort. I'm going to share a number of ways that I grew to love myself. And that doesn't mean by any means that this is an exhaustive list of all the things that one can do to foster self love. These are just things that I personally have done. I'm only going to share the first eight in this episode, and I'll share the last eight in the next episode so that it won't be super long. Number one, put down the substance. If you're addicted to a substance, one of the most important ways to start loving yourself is to stop putting that poison in your body. If you're compulsive, then you can begin loving yourself by stopping to act out on the compulsion. 
And of course, we need some kind of higher power to do these monumental things. I'm not trying to make it sound easy, but it has to start with these things, in my opinion anyway. But that's just the beginning. The rest of the items on this list are not necessarily in any kind of order. And I'm not suggesting that all of these things will work for you or that you should actually try all these things. You need to do what works for you. Number two, stop the self-judgment and self-criticism. I somehow internalized the belief that I wasn't supposed to have flaws and that if I was going to have them, I goddamn well better hide them. Learning in recovery that I am flossom was a huge game changer for me. That is, I am both flawed and awesome. Those are not mutually exclusive concepts. I was trying to hide my flaws from people and I'd get really defensive and then I'd be a dick to them when they noticed my flaws. I came to understand in recovery that it is okay and normal to be flawed. It's human. That helped me to stop being so judgmental of myself. I was pretty judgmental of other people too, at least in my head, if not out loud. And when I stopped being so judgmental of myself, I stopped being judgmental of other people. And I also stopped being so afraid of being judged by other people. Because now I like me. So you liking me is a bonus now. I do have an episode specifically on getting over the fear of being judgment. It's episode number six. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So I'm not going to go into detail about how to do that because you can listen to that separately if you want. But letting go of the self-judgment and self-criticism is really important to coming to love yourself. Number three is reparenting. I did some reparenting work, but didn't understand that that was what I was doing at the time. I chose my favorite picture of myself when I was little and made a copy of it and carried it around. Or maybe I actually put it in my journal. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I looked at it every day and I organically developed a process of my own. And it started when I heard the song, The Reason by Hoobastank on the radio. And I remember very specifically exactly where I was when I was driving, because at the next stoplight, I shazammed it. And if you don't know what that means, Shazam is an app that you can use to identify the name and artist of a song, provided that that song is in their database. So you literally just tap the app while the song is playing, and it listens, and it uses some kind of magic to figure out, some kind of algorithm to figure out what it is. Anyway. When I heard the song, I was like, oh my God, that's my song. Because the words go like this. I found a reason for me to change who I used to be, a reason to start over new, and the reason is you. I'd play that song every morning and sing with it while I looked at that picture of me. And I did it for like a year. And it just sort of started organically. And it also kind of ended organically one day. And I didn't realize until maybe a year later, like, oh my God, that was me reparenting myself. The other thing that happened right around that same time is I came across the song Second Chance by Shinedown. I'd sing that right after the reason. And in my mind, I was singing that song to my parents. These daily actions were my adult self 
telling my little self, listen, I am here. I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to change and I'm going to stop abandoning you the way that I have done my entire adult life. That practice of reparenting myself was really important to growing to love myself and trust myself. And I didn't really understand just how important that was until later. I've done some additional reparenting activities, including cultivating an image of an inner loving parent. And then I wrote a letter to her. I was taught that you write a letter to the inner loving parent to tell them what you need. I had run across Pia Melody, who's one of the people who was on the forefront of the field of codependence. And I remember her saying that healthy parents nurture, affirm, and set boundaries with their children. And I was like, well, I better write that shit down because I did not know that. So when I wrote a letter to my inner loving parent, I said, I need you to nurture me, affirm me, and set boundaries with me. And then I also added, I need you to soothe me and comfort me and tell me that I'm a good girl. But most of the time for me, reparenting myself is just simply that I'm good and kind to myself. I'm going to call this one 3A, inner child work. It's connected to reparenting, but it's not exactly the same, which is why I'm calling it 3A. So I've also occasionally done some non-dominant handwriting, which is a way to tap into your inner child. So this is where I write to my little self with my dominant hand, which for me is my right hand. And then I respond with my non-dominant hand. And this is a way of connecting with my inner child. I've probably done this maybe 15 times. And I would say at least three quarters of those times, something really profound and deep has come out in that writing from my inner child. I really don't understand how it works, but I don't give a shit because it works. And it's been really helpful. Number four is mirror work. The mirror work I did was profoundly helpful. And the way that I did it was this. I first decided what was the thing I needed to say to myself. And I came up with, I love you just the way you are, Barb. So I'd look in the mirror while doing this. And let me tell you people, I cried. It was so fucking weird and awkward and uncomfortable when I started doing it, but I did it anyway. I just kept saying, I love you just the way you are, Barb. So it was like this. I love you, even though you're crying while looking in the mirror. I love you, even though it's painful for you to say, I love you, which is really sad, by the way. I love you, even though you're resisting telling yourself, I love you, even though you don't want to do this. I just did it. And I didn't mean it at first. And I didn't believe it at first. And yeah, it was painful. But I just kept doing it. And I'm at the point now where I truly believe it. And sometimes I'll catch my eye in the mirror and I'll get this like impish grin and I'll say, I love you, Barb, just the way you are. I also have a little framed mirror that somebody gave me and I taped that picture of myself on it and put a sticky note across the top that says, I love you just the way you are. And it sits on my altar, which is also known as the top of my dresser. And I see it every day. I don't necessarily pay attention to it every day, but it's there. And it's a holy thing for me, which is why it's on my altar. 
Number five, I take care of my physical body. That means I brush and floss my teeth every day and I bathe every other day. I don't go for five days and then use dry shampoo in my hair like I did when I was super depressed and neglecting my physical body. I also take care of my physical body by getting enough sleep every night. I deserve sleep. So do you, by the way. Going for a walk or doing yoga every single day. And then I also have a little mini yoga routine I do. It's like five minutes every morning and every night. I eat three meals and two snacks of healthy food every day. I take really good care of this vessel that I'm walking around in. Number six, I make conscious contact with my higher power, who I choose to call God. And I do this multiple times a day. The important part here is that it's conscious. I have a very lengthy conscious contact session in the morning when I wake up and again in the evening when I go to bed. This is what I need to do to love myself because if I don't spend the time doing that, I'm not stable and I want to be stable. I love myself by giving myself stability through my conscious contact. Number seven, I also love myself by walking away from crazy. When I first got into recovery, I heard people say, it's okay to walk away from crazy. I honestly didn't know that. It sounds rather obvious now, but I used to walk toward crazy. And that was because I was going to rescue or fix the person or situation. And now I don't walk towards crazy. I walk away from crazy because it's an option. It just wasn't an option for me in the past. Among other things, that means I don't put myself in harm's way. I stop doing things that trigger me, like hang out with people who are triggering or imbibing in substances that are triggering for me. So I stay away from that stuff. I was attracted to that before because chaos and craziness was normal to me, and it's just not anymore. Number eight, I take care of my physical environment. I make my bed every day because if my bed is not made, that means there is chaos in my bedroom. And I don't like chaos in my home anymore. I especially don't like it in my bedroom, which is the sanctuary of my home. And I think of my bed as the sanctuary of my sanctuary. And of course, I don't want chaos there. Now, I'm not the best housekeeper in the world, but my house isn't full of clutter the way that it used to be. And it's sort of like my home mirrored the inside of my head before recovery. Chaos. All right, I'm going to stop there for now so this episode won't be super long. Tune in again next week for the next eight things I learned about self-love in recovery so that you can learn how to love yourself too. I was recently reminded by a friend that when I first started recovery, I didn't feel lovable. I almost can't believe that I used to feel that way and that I kind of forgot something so profound because I truly love myself now. And I want that for everybody. If you don't love yourself, there's literally nothing that can make up for that. I created something exclusively for my private clients since many of them don't love themselves 
And I've now opened up my private vault to share it with up to 10 people individually. It's called the Self-Love Sprint. You'll grow to love yourself and truly feel worthy. So you can stop saying yes when you really want to say no. Stop neglecting yourself and putting everyone else first. Stop saying all kinds of nasty shit to yourself. That is not what people who love themselves and feel deserving do. You'll stop being afraid that others will think that you're selfish for taking time to care for yourself. This is also for you if you don't really know who you are because you've always been such a fucking chameleon. Go to higherpowercc.com slash love sprint. Remember, I'm only offering 10 of these, so don't wait. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're gonna love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-release podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, or if you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higher power coaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments, which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listen to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep, lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.